Well, there you have it, folks. Wagner's Ride of the Valkyries. Very appropriate for today's uh, guest is Cheryl Hunt. She's a veteran firefighter with 18 years of service thus far. Growing up in Peterborough, Ontario with two younger sisters, Cheryl had no inkling that one day she would be a catalyst for change in, in regard to harassment in the fire, firefighting department. Cheryl is a visible minority if you take into consideration she's only part of the 4% of firefighters who are women. That is coast to coast to coast, not just Ontario. Cheryl is very much involved in the fire service. Outside of fi- firefighting, fighting fires, she is on the, on the board of directors for fire service Women Ontario. She is an advisor for the Ottawa First Responders Foundation. Cheryl also teaches fire dynamics, live fire training on the job, and with the Ontario Fire, fire College. Top it all off, she and her husband, Sean, are, rising, are raising three kids, ages 6, 8, and 14. Welcome to Rockus Baka, Cheryl, and the palatial recording studio, also known as my dining room. <laughs> so did I get all that right? Yeah, you got it all right. So you're so you you originally had no intention of becoming a firefighter, did you? No, absolutely well, not. What happened to change your mind? Well, uh, I wasn't the the firefighter, the little girl that was always wanting to aspire to be a firefighter. Um, I didn't even know women could fire be firefighters. Actually, I was teaching in the outdoor education centers in Ottawa, so and I loved that job um, teaching at McSkimming and the Bill Mason Center. And unfortunately, I was kind of living pink slip to pink slip at that time because the um, centers were always facing closure just due to funding. And it was after one one June, I think, I was given a pink slip because they weren't sure if we were going to be able to have funding for September. And I remember saying to my husband that I just, I can't do this anymore. I need something with security. I just don't know what to do or what to fall back on. And at the time, he was with Pakenham Fire Department, and he was attempting to well, write the exams to become an Ottawa firefighter, right. and Toronto at the same time too. Like, so, with, so he was al- already a what do you call him a licensed firefighter or a, a volunteer? A vol- so okay. he was a volunteer yeah. firefighter, and um, or a paid on call is what yeah. they call them as well. And that's just in our little hometown community of Pakenham. Yep. And uh, anyways, he was going through the testing for Ottawa, so he said, "Why don't you try for Ottawa Fire as well?" And I turned to him and I said women aren't firefighters. And he kind of looked at me and gave me this really weird look. And he said, but you could be a firefighter. I thought, really? Like, I've never seen a firefighter. And I mean, I didn't know a firefighter. I'd never seen a firefighter in a magazine, in real life, in the movies. It was just not something I actually know I was allowed to do. So as soon as he said, well, you could be that, all of a sudden, I, I knew he believed in me. And if I was allowed, sure. So I followed them around uh a little bit watching some of the fires that they went to. And the more I watched, the more I thought, this is, this is the job for me. Yep. I want to do this. And then the rest is history. He helped, he trained side by side beside me. He had full faith that I could do the job. And uh, then we were hired back to back, six weeks apart. He was September of 2003 and I was October 2003. Nice. So he'd already been a uh, volunteer firefighter for how long? Uh, he'd been a volunteer for several years, like two or three years. And then he was also hired by Toronto Fire, but he's born and raised in Ottawa. He knew he wanted to come back. So yeah. even though he's hired by Toronto, he stayed on the list in Ottawa with hopes that he'd be hired. And luckily, uh, we were hired back to back. So that was pretty neat and brought him back home. So so how did this guy, who'd already been immersed in the firefighter culture for some time, how did he become so supportive? Why was he so open? 
He's a, he's a different breed. We actually met when we were whitewater raft guides. So he kind of met me as a, um, a strong willed, strong, physically independent woman. And I think to him, he just never had any doubt that women weren't equal and could do equal jobs. Right. And he was my biggest fan. So you ran with it. So we ran with it. Yeah. 18 years later, I'm glad I ran with it and didn't listen to myself. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's it's kind of amazing that, I mean, how old are you? Do you mind? I'm 44. So it's kind of amazing that you, you'd been in the, uh, you know, in the job search market, looking to go to college or university, whatever you were doing at the time, and not not thinking that you could become a firefighter. No, I mean, goodness, no. I, I can sort of understand that in the in the military, where it was very much more, well, not much more uh, um, male-orientated, but how many women want to walk into a room with hundreds of other guys and be the only only female? That takes a little bit of intestinal fortitude. <laughs> well, I mean, I was never your typical girl or woman growing up, actually. All my best friends were, were boys. I loved what they did. I loved playing mechano. I loved playing road hockey. I loved playing in the mud and having little fist fights. That's, that's just kind of how, um, I grew up and I've always really been comfortable around men. Um, it was definitely different, a different environment kind of going into, I didn't realize how isolated I'd end up feeling as a woman in the job, but, um, definitely I, I do really enjoy working with, with men. Uh, do you, do you find the dynamic is different? Uh, I mean, I work with, uh, or used to work with a lot of nurses and, most of the nurses are, are female. Um, and it's almost a cliche that when you put a, put a group of women together, they don't work together as well as, as a group of men. Do you, do you see any truth in that? I, I don't even know how to answer that because I've never really worked with uh, an entire group of women other than fire service women in Ontario. And I think we're a different breed all to, together because we understand the fire service. We understand what it means to be uh, one of 4%. Um, some of the women that I work with on fire service women in Ontario are their only female in their department. So when we come together, we come together as a force and man, do we ever work well together yeah. and we boots to the ground, as we'd say, and we get stuff done. Well, you have a common goal. We have a common goal. We um, and, and if I could interrupt, would that common goal be to, to make women aware of the uh, opportunities they have in the part, fire department? Or Definitely. Part of that is very much that, and it's one of the reasons why fire service women came together so many years ago. Um, what we always like to say is, one day we'd like to say, well, I'm not a female in the fire service, or I'm not a female firefighter. I'm just a firefighter. And it doesn't right. matter whether you're male or female. It's just in the end, you're a firefighter and you're not um, one of 4%. So you're somebody doing the job. Somebody doing the job. And so uh, one of the, a few of the women on, on Ottawa actually came together uh, about 12 years ago now and put Fire Service Women Ontario together as a not-for-profit organization in order to bring um, a program called Camp Fit, F-F-I-T, Firefighters in Training. And it's for young women between the ages of 15 and 19. And what we do is we bring them in for a week in the summer and we teach them about firefighting. So they are, um, they have to apply, they come in with zero knowledge, but maybe an inspiration or a thought that, hey, this would be kind of neat to be 
a firefighter. I wonder what the job's about. And we have them in gear. We have them on air. We have them rappelling out of a fifth-story window. We have them up the aerial ladder. They're searching smoked-out buildings. They're doing our maze, um, ventilating windows, climbing ladders. By the end of it, it's just, okay, girls, pack up, gear up, let's go. And they are going from not knowing what an SCBA is or how to turn on to packing up, gearing up, and then searching a building. What the hell is an SBA? SCBA, sorry. (laughs) It's uh, our self-contained breathing apparatus. Yeah, thank you. So if I use any of those, you you make sure you call me on that. Well, I will. But our air. Yeah. The the problems I have is when I'm doing it with another military person, and uh, the acronyms slip by me sometimes, and some civvy out there is going, what What is that? that? (laughs) Yeah. No, that's uh, our breathing breathing apparatus that we wear. Um, and anyway, and it, it works out for two reasons. Um, I'd say the majority leave there, uh, really wanting to be firefighters and then knowing what it's going to take. And we work really hard on the building that confidence saying, yeah, you know, don't let the fact that this was difficult, hold you back, use it as something to work towards. Use yeah. it as a goal and then, um, get stronger, uh, learn how to do certain things and, um, push forward to know that you can, because it's taught by the majority of women and uh, one of the words that we've kind of used or thrown around the fire service in Ontario is um, our man ambassadors. So the men are male allies that are really, really supportive and they come and they, they teach and we all volunteer our time, but it's one of the most empowering um, weeks of my entire year is to see these young women uh, go from not knowing anything to just being absolute fierce and uh, really wanting to do the job. And in the recent years, we've actually seen our first uh, camp fit participants now being hired by fire departments. And we, we even have one on Ottawa as well. So Excellent. pretty cool. So so in, in, in police work, a woman brings a different, uh, different way of looking at a, at a problem um, where, where a man might want to rush in and uh, get into some fisticuffs. The woman's going to think her way out of this and get this guy into the back of a squad car without getting hit. So uh, apparently in, in police departments, women generally approach it. Um, and, and in life as well, I guess, women generally approach a, um, a problem at a different angle than most men do. You guys think it through more. You're better, you're better uh, rock climbers as well because you think it through. You don't just muscle your way through it. So do you think women bring a um, different um, perspective to the, the firefighting game? A hundred percent. We bring a different perspective, but... Um I mean, tell a female firefighter that her ability is being compassionate and um, being kind to people. And, and it, that kind of is a crux for us, too, because we, we bring strength and so much more to that as well. Um, we do see things differently because physiologically, and this has always been a challenge, I'd say in 90% of the women that I've talked to, um, over the years, physiologically, we're just never going to be as strong as our male counterparts. Yeah. It's just, it's not how we're built. Yeah. Uh, so we have to learn how to work smarter and not harder, yeah. right? So we have to, we see things differently. I always try to figure out ways where I have to use my whole body in order to be able to do certain tasks. Um, instead of forcing a door, sometimes I've crawled through a window because I can fit through the window yeah. or... Yeah. If there's an attic somewhere on fire, I'm the one that's getting squeezed up in there. Yeah. <laughs> but we all have our jobs and um, everybody's always heard you, you don't have a hockey team full of goalies, right? Yeah. You need a lot of different people to bring different things to the table. Yeah, absolutely. And I do believe that um, the more diverse we are, the stronger we are as a unit. Yeah, I, I don't think I could argue that. I think uh, definitely women in the military have brought a different perspective. I mean, the job is still to go out and kill people, but... 
they, 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 they might think of a different way of doing that yeah. um, in the end. How, how difficult was the initial fitness testing? So it's changed over if the... I, if I could just interrupt me for a second. Yeah. You. Okay. For those that can't see Cheryl, Cheryl's a fit looking uh, woman, not particularly bulky. Um, she just looks like a triathlete. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, but okay. Well, I'll go with that. You have, you have a basic um, yeah. fitness look. Yeah. Um, so she's not some bulky um, steroid firefighter. She's just your average looking athletic person. Um, so I, I would imagine you went in prepared, but how difficult was the initial fitness testing and what did it involve? Well, we are now going with something called the CPAT test, so the Canadian Physical Abilities Test. Right. Um, this has changed and I believe when I went through the testing, I think it was one of the first times that Ottawa changed over to this actual process. So they used to do uh, VO2 max and you'd have to, um, I think it was like pushups and setups and various lifting and, um, it was definitely a more challenging fitness test. Um, this is still challenging. There's still quite a few people that fail out of it, uh, but it can be argued that maybe it isn't as challenging as it should or could be. Um, I'm not the one to really say that. I think what I can speak to is the fact that when I did get hired and uh, pass that test, um, which is basically you start with 75 pound vest on you, and then you have to climb the equivalent of 16 flights of stairs, followed by uh, hose drag and ladder climb or ladder lifts and um, dummy drags and search and rescue and um, sledgehammer, a few different things that um, are what we do on the job basically, yeah. but put all together. So you're kind of, and you have to do that. I think it's like 10 minutes and 20 seconds. So as long as you finish within that time, you're considered yeah. that you're able to go. Um, would you say the average civvy off the street would be able to pass it? I don't say the average, no, for sure. Um, even some of the bigger, bulkier guys. Um, I, I mean, I can tell a story when I did it is um, we were on the, the stairs and uh, the gentleman beside me was probably six foot five. And he, I mean, his, his arms were the size of my entire body squished into a ball, basically. He was a huge, massive guy. And I remember looking up and I'm thinking... What am I doing? I do not belong here. I can't do this. Like I'm not going to be able to lift this guy. I, yeah. yeah. Like he's, he's a beast. Like he should be a firefighter. And what am I doing anyway? So yeah. right off the bat, I started talking myself out of it. But then we got on the, um, the stairs and we started to climb and we're kind of a minute in and, and I hear he got um, a warning. And so you can't touch the side at all. You have to be balanced. You have to keep in step as the stair- yeah. stairs are coming at you. Yeah. And he got a warning. So I thought, oh big guy got a warning. So it put a little <laughs> bit of a, better. yeah, a little bit of pep under my step. And then, uh, all of a sudden I hear a, like a crash and he'd completely fallen to the ground and the paramedics were behind there behind me. And I'm like, Hmm, the guy <laughs> fell down. I can do this. Maybe I can do this. Yeah. And it gave me a little bit of fire under my butt thinking yeah. that, you know, maybe I can do this. And yeah. at no time did I think that I wasn't going to be able to do this. And yeah. I got hired and I got into my class and I truly believed that I had earned a position with the fire department, yeah. but um, I think what happened and what I learned within the first few years is some of the guys didn't think that way. And I'd been told several times that the standards were lowered in order that I right. could get hired. Right. So it wasn't always seen as seen as a positive. It was more like we lowered it so we could diversify and fill all the check boxes right. and the quotas. Right. Yeah. So I mean, the same thing was said about policing in the military yeah. and all those departments yeah. as well. So yeah. you're, you're not, you're not new to that for, for sure. No. Um, so you passed and uh, got um, 
accepted into the, your fire department mm-hmm. um, in 2003, October 2003? 2003, yeah. Um, what, what, what was the work environment like at that time? Like when you got there, fresh fa- face, did they welcome you with open arms or how, it, did, how did you get there? Absolutely. In drill class, um, it was a very, very good experience. I was one of the fifth and sixth women hired by Ottawa. So it was still really new on the floor that there were women that were uh, female firefighters. So I think the first were hired in 99 or 2000. And um, there was one other woman in my class. And uh, the guys were completely accepting. And it was pretty funny because I was always paired up with the biggest guy in the class and have to pull him down the ladder or drag him out. And so we, we, we kind of joked about it a lot, but, uh, you know, I just, they were so supportive and inclusive of us in drill class that there was no ever any reason to, for me to believe at that time drill, that I didn't drill class consists of what recruit class. So it was 12 weeks, 12 or 14 weeks of training where they basically teach us how to be firefighters. Cause I had zero firefighting experience before, as yeah. I said, I was teaching yeah. at that point and I uh, didn't even know other than watching a few fire fires from when Sean was fighting fire, I didn't know anything about the job. So they yeah. basically taught us how to be firefighters. And so it put us through the paces in drill class. So things went smoothly for you for yeah. for how long before you ran into? Well, I think I'd been on the floor about a month and a half. And uh, I was at a promotional party, I think. And it was a chance to meet some of the guys on the floor, some of the guys in my shift. I was only at my first station. And this gentleman pulled me aside and, you know, at first seemed kind. And then he basically told me that I don't belong, I'm not going to last, and I'll, all I am is a checkbox. The only reason I'm here is because I'm a woman. So at that point, I thought, oh my goodness. Um, I, I never really contemplated that. I thought I, I thought I deserved the job. And I knew it was going to be challenging, but as I said, I, my comfort zone was working with, with boy men, yeah. but then growing up with boys, that it just never dawned on me that it would be a problem. And then um, that kind of followed me. The first year was was really challenging. I was in a station with um, a chief that really, really didn't like me. And one of his guys, you know, after being there a little while, and I think he could see that it was starting to weigh on me. And I really respect this firefighter more than almost anybody on the job. He pulled me aside and said, Cheryl, listen, um, it's not who you are. It's what you are. He doesn't like, and he's never going to like you for that reason. Yeah. And he's, you know, was one of my supervisors at the time. And, um, Hopefully close to retirement. Yeah, he's he's actually retired now, but uh, he did make it really challenging for those first few years. And I remember and, and he... In what ways did he make it challenging? Well, one of the first things he said to me, he was also on my hiring panel at the time, but he said that a good man lost out getting hired because you got the position. So, you know, you, you kind of hear those things over and over and, and it becomes part of your narrative. You start to believe that. And this was my first year, so it was kind of um, battling that. And I, I go... And you don't want to be too aggressive in your your oh, no. objections no and not you know as a rookie yeah. your your places to eyes your eyes open ears open mouth shut yeah. just kind of follow um and and just especially as a woman also yeah. you know i just trying to find my place and know that i've got to fit in and that was part of my whole thing at the beginning was i was really trying to assimilate like really trying to be one of the guys and the more i tried i, I started to realize over the years that the further i actually got from that the further what? Sorry. The further I got from being one of the guys, because I just never could be one of the guys. But I really thought the only way to fit in um, was to try to assimilate and just be one of the guys. Were there guys um, other than coming up to you and, and saying, "Hey, what he's doing is 
we don't agree with. Was there anybody that vocalized that? No, no. no. So it was all. No, I, it, you know, I, um, I've learned this from a very uh, dear mentor of mine. Uh, and one of the songs that comes to mind for me is the sound of silence. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like disturbs version better, but it's, uh, there's a line in it that says silence like a cancer grows. And I think that's one of the big problems with fire service and, um, sometimes we hide in the pack because it's safer in the pack. And I know you'd probably recognize from military and policing that sometimes it's the same where if people are getting hazed or bullied or harassed, sometimes you just kind of hide and, and are thankful for that time that yeah. it's it's not you that's getting picked yeah. on. So a lot of times um, people fear retribution. There'll be transfer stations, uh, things that happened at the beginning. It's not happening so much right now. We've made strides in that. And um, it's kind of like it's zero tolerance now, well, well, but back the, then. One of the things I, I remember reading in your uh, statement was uh, was the bit about uh, Sunshine Girls in the yeah. calendar. What year was that? Do you remember? Uh, that was a few months ago. <laughs> Seriously? <Yeah. laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, that re- that resonated with me because yeah. when I first got in as a private, I came to Petawawa, and within the first couple of weeks of me being there, you know, there were guys that had Sunshine Girl... Uh, um, pictures in their in their lockers mm-hmm. and the word had come down this is 90 1990 maybe 91 and uh god i'm old <laughs> there's, there's uh um we were told that's not on you will take those pictures out of your uh, out of your lockers yeah and you guys hung on until 2021 <laughs> like what the hell right. why is it taking you so long to catch up <laughs> I don't know. So Are they not hiring the best and brightest? Tell me the truth. What's the, going on here? I don't. I, I don't. I think it's just because there's um, maybe a certain amount of complacency that happens, and and people just don't speak up. And so, what that story is, what you're talking about, is we all have tea clubs, um, and we all have <laughs> we all have tea clubs, and in our tea clubs, we keep our like coffee and tea and spices and things that we're going to need as a, a platoon and every platoon has them and i can't speak for every every station every platoon but i know there's several out there that have sunshine girls and you know pictures of women yeah. pasted in their tea club and it's been that way since i was hired so most of the ones i've seen that they've been there and i just i've never really said anything about it and never really liked it but just it's one thing that i didn't have to there's a huge impact if I go and rip something down versus if somebody else does. Absolutely. So there was a, a good friend of mine who's now an officer and he just out of the blue texted me one day and said, uh, I just have a question for you. What are your thoughts about um, Sunshine Girls and tea clubs? And I said, well, I don't like it. I've never really liked it, but I choose my battles wisely these days. And then he said to me, Cheryl, this isn't a battle you should have to fight. This is a battle we should be fighting for you. He said, just give me a minute. And then he this left is, for a sec. This is a captain. This is, this is an officer on yeah. the job, yeah. And he said, okay, done. And then he had gone and uh, ripped out all the, the pictures in the tea club. And then I've been to a few stations since, and I've noticed that that trend has happened. And whether it's been at a station he's been at or other people are now doing it as well. Um, you know, I, I look at stuff that's happened um, and for part of sharing my story and uh, being honest about how things have happened over the past few years people are making changes that have more impact. Because if I had have gone and ripped them down, that would have had a, a different statement than if well, you one probably of the guys would have had, had them build a wall. Or put know. more up or something. Yeah. But but there, there would have been some more negative reaction. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm so grateful that there are little things, like such a small 
change that could be made. And it's having huge impact for myself and other women on the job for inclusion. Well, what were you doing at the time that the captain decided to, how long had you been in before the captain uh, asked you this? How many years? Uh, 18. So this, <laughs> from, from, sorry, <laughs> I'm still trying I to know. wrap my head around it. Um, I know. Because usually it's the military that are knuckle draggers and you, no. think, you know, what the hell. Yeah. Um, I got thrown right off track what my next thought was. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's freaking phenomenal. How, how, how did you become, were you known as somebody who was uh, trying to make changes with how women were, well, you would have been because it was this year. Um, how, how involved, how, how knowledgeable were other people, other firefighters about you and what you were trying to do? Um, up until recently, I'd say this past year, when I started to... Um, actually tell my story and be honest about things that have happened and what I've been through and where my mental health was. Um, nobody really did know because my mission at that time, and I think through Fire Service Women Ontario, working with the other women on the job, uh, my mission was to like change the culture. Yep. But how do you take that on? It's so massive. And um, there's some really great aspects of our culture, don't get me wrong, but we are still so far behind when it comes to diversity and um, the treatment of minorities. We are getting better. I want to make that completely clear, yep. but we still have a long way to go. I can't remember where I was headed either. <laughs> well, we'll, Aren't we the we'll great change, pair? We'll change direction. Yeah, yeah. You, you also mentioned minorities. So there was an issue with hiring minorities. Also, we're talking a kind of a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Yeah bunch of boys here yeah and if you're a woman or a minority you're gonna have a rougher time getting in uh i don't know that rougher time getting in maybe fitting in but fitting in. Uh, we are we are definitely definitely changing uh as far as our our um the typical i mean it was typical white male is is our 90 uh, percent of the job are you guys having trouble uh recruiting uh no that's, I mean, that's one thing the fire service does not have a problem with yep. is recruiting, but part of it with that camp fit program is, um, introducing it to women. So like myself, we always say you can't be what you can't see. Right? right. And so being out there, allowing these young women to try it, it's been one of the greatest recruitment tools, um, definitely across Ontario because it's, it's blossomed in all sorts of cities and fire departments throughout Ontario and even across Canada. Um, and it has become one of the biggest cro- uh, recruitment tools for women. Mm. And uh, it's just kind of getting the word out there that it's not for everybody. That's the thing. Like, yeah. this job is definitely not for everybody. So I wasn't being too dramatic in saying that uh, initially the workplace was was um, was hostile. Or is that too dramatic? Is that overstating it? Uh, no, definitely a bit. Um, it wasn't everybody. For sure. I've had some allies and really close friends right from the beginning, but it was very, very challenging to navigate. And I kind of equate it to um, death by a thousand cuts. So every time there's something where you don't belong, the standards have been lowered, a good man lost out getting hired because you were hired. Uh, Those little things that create kind of cuts as you walk through your career. And some are deeper than others. And um, so it's death of a thousand cuts. Kind death of, of a thousand cuts. Pretty sure. And this was about a year ago. I found that I was finally bleeding out, and um, I didn't know where they all came from. But uh, some are deeper than others. And um, 
I mean, I could tell you one story that that still still does bother me, and I th- I'm not sure what bothers me more is the fact that it was actually said, or the fact that it was a silence that followed. Um, we were all kind of in the kitchen, just hanging out, and I was starting to prep for lunch, and we all take turns cooking and, and prepping, which is really fun. That's part of the beauty of the fire service, right? One of the best parts of the job is our connection. And uh, we had a, a chief at the time who who was retiring. And he came into the station, and uh, he's he was known to be a bit of a joker. And so all the guys were sitting around and talking to him, and he was kind of doing his farewell tour. And one of the guys had asked them, um, so what are you going to do? What's your, your leave-in? And sometimes, as chiefs leave, they'll make some changes to the board, make some transfers, kind of make their mark. It's one of those yeah. things that, that happens, right? Yeah. And he said, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring in a leaf blower, and I'm going to blow all the names off, all the tags off the big board we have in the platoon office. And it kind of shows where everybody is and what station they're at and where they're, where they, where they're located that day yeah. or normally their own station. And then I'm going to pick them up and I'm going to put them back on the board and wherever they lie, that's your new station. And then he looks at me and he said, he said, except for the women. He said, you say you're equal. I'm going to make you prove it. You can all be at the same station. So I looked at him and I said, bring it on. I would happily work with any woman on this job. And then he said, and then I'm going to put this captain in charge of you. Now, this is a particular, partic- was a particular captain at the time that was known to really not like women. And it was very, very voiced several times. Yeah. And then, and I've had, I had occasions with him as well that were a little bit challenging. And he said, um, I'm going to put him in charge because he deserves to be punished. Yeah. And at that point, I just looked at my crew and they all had kind of had their head down at the time and no one said anything. Yeah. And so I just dropped the knife. I said, I'm out. And I walked out and put myself in a room and I actually cried um, a little bit. And, uh, and that's what I couldn't believe when I talk about the sound of silence is that, you know, it's going to be the guys that are brave enough to stand up and speak out against what they know was right. So Sean didn't work with you. at the No, end. we've never worked on the same yeah. shift. He's a completely different shift. He yeah. knows all about this. And he was even part of the people who say, Oh, just know where it's coming from. They're, they're idiots or whatever they said. And, but you can only get that so much. Like and how many idiots after do you have years to face? And years, yep. years and years of being told, you know, we don't like you because you're of what enough. you are and you're not good enough. And, you know, we put ourselves under the microscope, uh, microscope as well. I'd have say, you, have you re- received any decorations, bravery decorations? No, nothing like no, that. No, nothing like that. Just curious. Because that would be something I'd say, ha. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not like that. It's not like, you know, ha ha. It's more just, um, for me, I want to do my best job. Yeah. And that's that's what keeps me motivated at the end of the day, is did I do right by the people we're serving and my community and the people that I'm working with? Well, which sort of is a leadership um, att- attribute. Um, you're looking after others and trying to make change. So what rank are you currently holding? I am an acting... Um, an acting lieutenant. So I'm in charge of a ladder as an officer. So on an aerial ladder, we have three firefighters. You have your driver, you have your crew member, and then the officer that's in charge. And I'm also an acting safety officer. And we only have one safety officer per shift. And we go to all the working events and we just oversee the safety of crews on scene. All right. Um, firefighting and safety don't sound like they go together. Uh, <laughs> it's calculated risk. <laughs> yes. It's a very safe job when we do, yeah. when we do it properly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've tried to put out a few fires myself <laughs> and I usually make things worse. Um, so what, what, what attributes and odds must, must you have to, uh, to make it to the rank of lieutenant? Have to- For 
Ottawa, it's it's different. Years on, um, an experience seemed to be still the caveat. Uh, we do have um, five years of courses that we have to take. That is kind of our officer development training. Um, we also have a strategies and tactics where we have to do an oral exam at the end of it. And then we're placed on a list and you kind of just wait your turn as the retirements happen. Then you can be on. But I find as a, a you know, just myself and not even just as a female, just as me as a person, I've always wanted to do my best. And I know um, I, Cheryl Sandberg, I believe, and said that women don't tend to apply for the promotion until they have 100% uh, confidence and ability um, or uh, credentials in order yeah. to apply for that job. Right. And I'm very much like that. So for me, it was it's all a confidence thing. So really, you don't have to do too much, but I wasn't going to take the position unless... I was really confident in what I was doing because I ultimately have to lead a crew and I'd be only the third female officer in Ottawa. And so part of that was getting really, um, really high up with the fire dynamics program and really immersing myself in and, and fire dynamics. is just how a, a fire starts and then goes through a house or an apartment. Yeah. How it starts, how it's developed, um, the parts of fire, how, um, signs of flashover or other hostile events that could hurt firefighters. Uh, it's a week long program that we do where we burn in a 40 foot sea can. We light a fire, we watch it. It's beautiful. Some people think we're strange, but we bright drag <laughs> fire across our head. Fire, fire I know it's really strange, but it's, we, we love it. And then we, um, kind of progress into hose advancement and some other, tactical skill stuff throughout, but it's really given me feet to stand on in understanding my environment and how fire moves and how it works and how to read fire so that I know that hopefully in the end that I can make the right decision to keep my crew safe. Right. And you're, you seem to be an excellent communicator, so that's not an issue either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you bilingual by the way? No, I'm not. Okay. Uh, is that important to the job? <laughs> no, no. We do have uh, quite a few francophones on the job yeah. and uh, th- that is really, really helpful, but... Fire understands English, French, German, Right. Whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so you've been under some stress for pretty much all of your career. Yeah. As a firefighter. I don't think that's overstating it. Yeah. Uh, when did you realize, so it was causing you stress, would you mm-hmm. agree with that? Yes. When did you realize you were having mental injury issues and what did you do about it? <laughs> well, nothing <laughs> like getting right into it, right? <laughs> yeah. um, I, uh, I've known for a long time, actually. I think part of it was being able to admit it to myself. As I was saying, physiologically, I'm just, I've always felt not equal to, um, even though I want equality and I, I ask for that, I've never really felt equal physio- physiologically. As you said, I'm f- physically strong for who I am, but with my mental health failing or not failing, but definitely faltering for years, having battled this and, uh, and almost pretending that, you know, I can roll with the punches and everything's okay. And I'm, um, it's still not getting to me. Um, it really, it really did start to affect me pretty hard over the past few years. I think more so in the past three years. Um, again, I'd been on about five years at this time, lots of cuts. Um, mental health wasn't talked about when I first got hired. So 18 years ago, it's just, you buried it deep as you can. And hold that right there. That's a good place to start part two. Okay. End of part one. 